Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Bill Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. This message is called Acid Test for Church, and it's part of the Kingdom of uh, Family series. We're in a series, and I've, I've got to nail this, so excuse me as I um, conclude with this message that will bless uh, all the previous weeks and pull together all the previous weeks. And I'm talking about the church being the church. I'm talking about the church being created by the Holy Spirit. Um, once we get this understanding that the church is not just a, a gathering of people loosely connected or, or watching a show or jumping through hoops of religion, once we realize that God's plan is for the church to be a family, say family, um, it's then when you have a greater commitment to the church and even you may, may even subscribe to the church. If I can prove to you through this message why church yeah, look, I can believe in God. God's, yeah, He's all right. Look, he, he leaves me alone, I leave Him alone. We'll catch up with each other one day. But you know what? It can be so much more better than that. You can feel the smile of heaven on your life right now, if you want. You can. And obviously, too, supernaturally, God can provide for you, protect you, bless you all the days of your life. But I think we do. Someone said the trinity of the world is individualism, secularism, and there was another ism, I forget. But um, it's all about you, mini-God, looking after my life, trusting in your own ability, ingenuity, to cut out a life for yourself and, uh, and not trusting God. But what we're finding is the church is seeing youth come en masse back to the church. And the baby boomers, pe- people my age are saying, why are you going to church? What, what, are you, what are you getting yourself involved in? They, they honestly, the, my age group don't understand when our youth are getting saved and young families are coming to church, they go, why? They don't understand that it's life-giving, that it optimizes their life, yes. that it encourages them and blesses them, not into a box, but to fully open their life to the will and the plan of God. Imagine that. Yeah. Imagine being able to eradicate, as the van just said last night, every negative word spoken over you, if it was written on a blackboard, every negative word spoken to you by an authority figure, if that was all written on the blackboard and you just shrank back from your calling, shrank back from your destiny, shrank back from who you really are, loving, gregarious maybe, open, vibrant, people shrink back and they, and they second guess things, they second guess people, they second guess who they are. But imagine someone at the back of that classroom saying, hey, the story's not finished and walking up out of that seat and coming to the blackboard and wiping all that out, wiping all that out. See, Jesus didn't come to rub it in, he came to rub it out, amen? Got that from the evangelist last night. (laughs) Is that right? You got to beg, borrow, and try not steal. (laughs) Paul says, okay, 
Can we give it up for our podcast listeners? Yeah, let's give it up. I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures. I'm going to try not to expand on anything. I'm hoping you'll, because aren't movies great? They can just show you one scene like that and you can guess. You, you know, in the old black and whites, which I try and, which I've given up trying to get my young daughter to watch because she says it's too long-winded. Why are they talking so much? Um, just tell me now what it's, you know. It was all this dialogue, you know. But now it's just boom, 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 boom. And you can put it all together. So I'm hoping that will happen this morning, that you'll put this message together. I'm going to give you a bit of a history of God's God's plan towards planet Earth, and I'm going to talk about Father Abraham, I'm going to talk about the New Testament and Paul getting divine download from heaven. Paul was just an amazing man of God, and he downloaded God's new version of the people of God. So in the Old Testament, the people were just a nation, but it all became very personal in the New Testament. You, as an individual, Paul says in his theology that you are saved by faith through grace. Amen? But the most huge, just as much as that is important, the other important factor is that you are born into a family. That you are born as much. See, a lot of our Western um, Christian books are about you as the individual. How to, how to you know, seek God, how to prosper, how to, how to your destiny. Your, but really, Paul and I'm going to tease it out in Scripture, a lot about you being saved is this, that you were saved into a family. You can uh, choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. Amen? <laughs> and that is where the culture gap is for Aussies. They go, man, I want to know God. I want to know Jesus. Now I've got to go to this local church. Now I've got to go to maybe a place called C3 Tugger and I've got to mix it with these people. I don't even like them. I don't even like the look of them. Well, that's what happened to me when I first started to go to church in 85 because I thought I was really groovy and I end up in this church and they all look square and, and Julie and I were married now. And we wanted to raise our family on God. I said, well, let's go to that church. All right, so what? And let's go. And the first thing I noticed that these people were, you know, a little bit square for me. I think church has gotten a lot more groovy now. And the other thing that I noticed that these people, you know, were quite open to engage and, you know, I was quite streetwise and you'd certainly weren't like that, you know, when you were self-preserving your life. Right. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> yeah. you're like a dog, you walk around somewhere and I'll just, just you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's all right, this guy, yeah, how you doing, buddy, yeah. <laughs> but Christians go, hey, you go, and I go, hang on, hang on, back off. <laughs> that in itself, for family, is tough. So I want to tease out, again, the message of kingdom family, and I, what I believe, what the church is really about, and it's about a family. It's about hanging tough through all situations, hanging tough, giving glory to God through hanging tough, because we've gone through tough times, C3, is that right? We've gone through the tough times, and at the end of it, as in any family, and this is the unfortunate thing, we got dads running away, we got even mums running away now, leaving the, that's unheard of, but we've got mums running away from the family, leaving the kids with the father, which was never, never the case. 
But yes, it's a, it's, a, it's a fantastic proposition, and this is it. How can you do it? Not by good intentions, not by being a goody two-shoes, but you can do it by the Holy Spirit. You can do it, and this is what Paul talked about. Don't, Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit came and, and, and birthed the church in the upper room in Acts chapter, Acts, chapter 2 of Acts, when the Holy Spirit was birthed, when it birthed the, the church, Jesus actually said, don't do anything. Don't have a connect group. Don't try and read your Bible. Don't try and witness. Don't try and do any missions until you receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. Don't do it. So they're waiting in the upper room, praying, praying, praying. 500 at one time. Then it end up just 120 diehards going, we're, we're just going to keep doing what Jesus said. We're just going to... And suddenly, the wind, the Holy Spirit baptize those 120 people. They spilled out in the street. 3,000 people were saved. Peter preached like a man on fire. And that was the birth of the church. Why are we acting so sensible now in church? And because we're acting so sensible and not being empowered by the Spirit, we're finding it hard to do the Christian life. We're finding it hard to be a family. So I want to talk about that. Is that cool? The other thing was this. Jews were getting saved back then, 2,000 years ago. And the Jews were saying, and they were the ones that wrote the Bible. They were the God people. The Gentiles, they were the people that didn't want to know about God. They, they just weren't destined, apparently, to be God people. When Jesus came, when Paul said, nor Jew or Gentile, male or female, it's everyone. It's everyone in the family of God. Bring them all in. Bring them from the streets. Bring them from the pubs. Bring them from wherever. Bring them from, from, the, from the gutter. Bring them from the king's, king's office. Bring them from the government. Bring, bring them all in. Yeah. And that caused a huge dilemma for the self-righteous Jews. The righteous ones. Self-righteous. And they couldn't handle it. And so Paul needs to give them a lesson through the Word of God. You, you up for it? Let's check this stuff out. But let's talk about Abraham first. Uh, first scripture says, Psalm 68, verse 6, and this is really about the mission of our church. Okay, here we go. Psalm 68, verse 6. God sets the lonely in families. Can we all say that together? God sets the lonely in families. He leads forth the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. I have this phrase I use um, that you're either on the back paddocks of life as a sheep, the Bible calls a sheep, you're on the back paddocks of life or you're in the pasture of His love. Can I suggest to you the pasture of His love is the church. The back paddocks of life, which is symbolism of sheep that go astray. Apparently sheep, if they keep eating, you'd know this, Dubbo people, and rural people. No, I'm talking to, oh, hang on, I'm affectionately calling these people the rural people. Uh, um, but you know a sheep, if they keep eating, they like it, they will eat through a wire fence. They will go under, around it, whatever, and they will keep following that green pasture, or so-called green pasture, into maybe someone else's property. People do that. People actually do that. They follow some philosophy, they look on Google and you know, and they don't trust the church now, they don't trust God, and they end up somewhere, and, and they're totally out of the will of God. 
But God's word says, I set the lonely in families. I love that. Do you love that? Do you, do you, do you, can you think of anyone right now who's lonely, sitting in a home, a house? I've got two old lonely men across the road now. They bought the house over the road. They're lonely. And they, they could die lonely if they don't have some intervention. Do you know any young people? Do you know a friend at work that are lonely? This is the mission of God, to pull these people into the care of His love. But it does, it does mean that they come into the proximity of family, being close with each other. And this is quite tough for some people, but can be done by the Holy Spirit. What's this family called? Uh, Paul talks about a mystery, Ephesians 2.12. I hope you've got your notes, your pads there. Let's, let's just go for it. Ephesians 2.12, remember that all that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. Ephesians 3.6, this mystery, what is this mystery about Christ? Why has this man made such, why has this man made such a commotion and why are we still being influenced by him and how is it this mystery is that through the gospel the gentiles are heirs part participants they share together with israel members together of one body and sharers together in the promise in christ jesus this is what the jews couldn't understand how come these people that have not been a blessing to god have not helped god have not honored god worshiped god how can they be included with us guys who've always known God, we've, wrote, we've written the Bible, we were spoken through by God, we are the Jews, so this is what, but it goes back, and it goes back to the beginning, and I'll talk about that in a moment. Ephesians 3, 4 says, in reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, the mystery do you know there's some Christians even still now, they're going, this is a mystery, man. I'm drawn to this church, I'm drawn to the house, but man, I don't know what I'm even here for. It's a mystery. But if you keep dwelling, keep asking, keep believing and keep trusting in the Holy Spirit, it makes sense the more that you trust and acknowledge and abide in that house. It will change you. Let's look back to the original promise, Genesis 12, 1, powerful scripture, powerful, powerful scripture of the original blessing that comes through Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So Abraham, we call him Father Abraham. Why do we call him Father Abraham? Because he's the first one that took God's promise and obediently lived out and claimed the promises of God. So let's look at this, Genesis 12, 1, the Lord had said to Abraham, he's not Abraham yet, Abraham, leave your country, your people and your father's household and go to the land I will show you and I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. Can you see that happening through Fraser? Fraser's going to be blessed and he's going to be blessed to be a blessing. Who can believe that? Well, that's that scripture right there. That's exactly what we were praying and believing for, that Fraser is going to be blessed to be a blessing. He's going to be so prospering, so favored of God, that wherever he goes, people are going to, even at school, they're going to be, one, be on his cricket team, Garth. Garth's a great cricketer. They're going, I'm on Fraser's team, man. 
He won't play cricket. Okay. <laughs> Rugby? Uh, soccer? Um... <laughs> Julie woke up this morning, looked out our back window, and there's two big... Uh, Rugby goalposts in the backyard next to a neighbour's backyard. Huge, nearly as tall. Man, just go, oh no, what's we got new neighbours and he loves loves footy, I think. <laughs> so it's prophecy, and it and it goes way back to Abraham. Um, Paul states it like this in the New Testament, Galatians 3 8. These are these are very important scriptures. You do well to take note and highlight them, underline them. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles. I'll say that again. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, announce the gospel, to announce the gospel in advance to Abraham, meaning all nations will be blessed through you. So when God said all nations will be blessed through you, it meant this, Galatians 3.16, the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. The scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. So God's promise to Abraham reveals from the very beginning the purpose of the gospel that eventually came out from Abraham, from the nation of Israel, and eventually came out to be absolutely a reality in the New Testament. Jesus came from that very family. Why? Because Abraham was obedient to the promises of God. There are promises, but for Abraham, there was an obligation. He had to leave his father's household, meaning he had to leave this country that didn't believe in God. He had to leave Mesopotamia because they didn't believe in God, they didn't trust in God, they didn't acknowledge God, and God said to Abraham, imagine this, I want you to leave that, and I want you to follow me, I'm not going to tell you exactly where to go, but you're going to have to listen to me daily, and I'm, I'm going to ask you to follow me, and as you do, as you leave your household, as you leave this family, as you leave all that provision, see that's another thing, we leave all that, and as you do, I'm going to give you a new family, I'm going to give you a new household, I'm going to give you a provision. I'm going to give you a land. Actually, it's called the promised land. And that's exactly what born-again Christians have done. See, some of us may have been brought up with parents that don't believe in God, don't trust God. Having a lot of our youth, their parents don't acknowledge God, don't trust God, don't want to know about God. They're spiritually, they're leaving that total lifestyle and they're walking into a new day of a family, provision, protection, all that is in this life called the Christian life. Does that make sense? Yeah. 75 years old he was, 75 years of age. Hebrews 11.8, by faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. bit like us, I guess. bit like us, starting out. So where are we going? I'm giving my life to the Lord. So what's happening? It's, it's a faith thing. I mean, it's faith. Genesis 18, verse 19, for I have chosen him. Now this is what we're talking about, Luke and Tash right here. Abraham was a man that followed God, honored God. He was exemplary. He was a righteous man. He was ridiculously righteous. You heard the story of 
Abraham taking Isaac to the mountain to maybe sacrifice him. He was going to honor God, fear God like nothing. He was, nothing was going to faze him. God asked him to sacrifice, he'd do that. God asked him to do that, he'd do that. He was just so rock solid in God that he shows us by faith we can please God. And so out of him comes the nation of Israel. Out of the nation of Israel comes Jesus. The promise is coming here, it's coming, it's coming. And out of Israel comes Jesus. And Jesus says, thank you, Abraham. Thank you, every person that followed God's will. For now I can do what I've got to do and create this new family. This family called the Spirit-Filled Church. And it's going to incorporate every race, every person, rich, poor, whoever. And we're going we're gonna to do it through the church. The church is this mighty purpose in God that is sweeping. That's what Jonathan said. I do it because I've got a revelation of the church is God's answer to humanity's plight of destruction, immorality, whatever. The church is important in Tagra. The Bible says the church is called the called out ones. The ecclesia, meaning that we're called out and the Bible says that we're, we're people called out to a special meeting to declare and decree special things back to the community. We're like priests. A house of God, blessing. I love that stuff. He had to trust God's word. He sure did. When it appeared humanly impossible. He was obedient to the commands to leave home. He was sincere endeavor to live a righteous life. And yes, there were struggles. They were put in captivity and uh, Egypt. And they had to trust. They had to learn to fear God, trust God. But now Jesus has turned up. And now that promise is now even more, more powerful through what? Through when Jesus had the Last Supper and he instituted the new covenant. And he said, guys, get ready. I'm going to the cross. This is the new covenant. Here's the bread. Here's the wine. This is my body. This is my blood. Do this until I come back. Remember me. Remember this sacrifice I'm about to do because this is going to initiate the last covenant that shall bless mankind. And it's like a mission impossible, isn't it? Something come over me like when I remembered watching Mission Impossible, you know, your mission, should you choose to accept it, involves recovery of the stolen. This tape will self-destruct in five seconds. And this, this tune started. And then I had images of Billy Graham preaching. I was watching last night. Praying, just lift that music up because it's better. God's looking for people who will enact the promise of Abraham. Back in Genesis 12, people tried in the Old Testament under religion, under the law. Jesus came and said, it's a new day. I'm going to the cross. I'm going to pay for this, this, this dilemma that mankind's in. I'm going to pay for it with my blood. I'm going to crucify sin. 
I'm going to deal with, with my blood. It's a new day. Not only will you adhere to religion, but I will come into your life by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you will live for me and love me all the days of my life. And in fact, it says in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 12 thereabouts, he said he's going to take out the stony heart. It was prophesied that a day would come when he would take out the stony heart and put a heart of flesh in you, that his word would be inscribed upon your heart and you would follow the law, follow God, follow his ways all the days of your life. Not by route, not by religion, not by being, being a goody two-shoes, but by knowing God personally, experientially knowing God so amazingly that even your spirit would cry out, Abba, Father, just like Jesus. Father, Abba, Father, like some of you do. You can't help it, but you cry out, Father God, because that's the Holy Spirit in you. That's Jesus in you. It's impossible. It's impossible, but it is possible. Doing church is possible. If Tom Cruise can jump and run and ride bikes, and we can certainly be the church. We should make a movie, How to Be the Church. Billy Graham, I love him. I was watching him last night. With a heart, man, he's... So Paul has to tease this out. He, he's a man of God. He was a Jew and he has an encounter with God. He gets thrown off his horse and he's blinded by the light. And Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Paul, oh my God, it's you, Lord. It's, he knew that much that it was God. God. Paul goes into the desert for many years and studies the Word again. He reevaluates the Word, the Old Testament. He knew the Old Testament better than anyone. And he realized, oh my God, it's Christ. It's Jesus. He has come. And he gives his whole life to him. Doesn't even get married. Passionately, wholeheartedly serves him. But goes into the desert, they say, for years on end. And studies God. Gets to know God acquaints himself and, and starts to download from heaven revelation knowledge from God about the church. And he comes up with this. Praise God. Ephesians 2.19. You enjoying this? He brings out these new terminologies. These, he calls us disciples, meaning people that learn from each other, learn from God. He calls us brothers, family term. He calls us saints, mean holy, like Abraham was holy, set apart for God. Abraham was a holy man. And then he says in Ephesians 2.9, And consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. What household do you belong to, my friend? I know I left home at the age of 16. Man, I left my home. I didn't want to live there with my younger siblings and my dad who didn't understand me and my mom who was antiquated through English upbringing. I left home and I joined the household of the pleasure seekers. All my mates who were traveling the world and enjoying life and, oh, they were great guys to be with. I felt like Errol Flynn. <laughs> you don't know who. I'll have to get a, a, another example. <laughs> I felt like, help me guys, who could I use? Grab, uh, Bear Grylls. I felt like I was on adventure, seeking out everything to do, everything I could explore to appease my flesh. I didn't know I had another family, a spiritual family, when I realized I staggered into church in 85 and realized, my God. Romans 15, 7 talks about family. 
Romans 15, 7 says, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Another version says it like this, therefore accept one another just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. Imagine if we did that, accepted each other. Paul says, to be the church, to be this new family, you're going to have to have to accept each other. Not like in the world where some like this footy team and some like that footy team and never the twain shall meet. You're going to have to all hang together and barrack for footy. Imagine that. And then he mentions this word koinonia, which is this powerful word emoting fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And he says that we are actually a community sharing in the Holy Spirit. We're sharing in the Son, Jesus. We're sharing our lives. I've got scripture after scripture after every statement here. Sharing in the gospel, sharing in God's suffering and glory through the down times, the hard times. We share that. And then he talks about sharing in the collection of monies that were raised through the, uh, the church, the Gentile church for the Jewish church. We share that. We want to send Garth and Jamie to Africa. And we want to do like exactly what he's saying by pulling together and raise some finances for these guys to go to Africa in four or five weeks? Eight or nine weeks. We'd love to. He says we are members, Romans 12, 5. I've got to finish this, guys. We are members of one another. So in Christ, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. Romans 12, 5. Then he talks about us, you know, supporting each other, building each other up, loving each other. Scripture after scripture. I haven't got time to give them all. We are to pursue one another's good. We are to bear with one, with one another's burdens. We are to be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another. We are to submit to each other. Scripture, scripture, scripture. We are to be devoted to each other, devoted together in love, harmony with one another. And then he calls us to be a church of harmony and unity. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ, 12, 13. For we were all baptized by one spirit. Say one spirit into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. 2 Corinthians 13, 14, Paul starts to tease out, how can this be? How can we be this community called church? How can it be? And Paul says this, he says, we're created and formed by the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit. When you're part of a church, you include the Holy Spirit. I prayed for the tractor mechanic, unsaved guy. He fixed the tractor, great guy. And uh, I said, can I pray for you? I witnessed to, to him for about half an hour. I said, I'd love to pray for you because he was open. And he said, yeah, that'd be fine. As I prayed for him, for a few moments, the Holy Spirit came around us. See, the Holy Spirit wants to partner with us in helping this man, helping things happen in the Spirit. And as I prayed, I prayed and I felt it. And then I stopped and I said, do you feel that? And he said, my goodness, I do. What's that? I said, that's the presence of God. Paul says we are to partner, but fellowship in the Holy Spirit. He says it begins with Christ, 1 Corinthians 1.9. 
God who has called you into fellowship with the Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. So it starts with Jesus, but it's in the Holy Spirit, this fellowship. Paul makes an, an appeal. There's some shenanigans going on in the church, disunity, disgruntlement, dis division, dissension. It happens. We're human. We're not perfect. Amen? Say this. I'm not perfect. Say this. The church is not perfect. Paul writes another, another letter. He gets another download, and he writes this in Philippians 2.1. If you have any encouragement, would you just say that after me? If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love. Now, this is the important statement. If any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, Philippians 2.2, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. I love that. Being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. 2.4, each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. See, a lot of us have had to suck things up and just cop it sweet maybe and, 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 and just say, well, for the betterment of the church and the family. Do we do that at home, I wonder? You know, Dad's had a narky day, he drives home. The worst thing to do is come home and give him that. I love the guys that come home and go, hey family, glad to see you. Great to see you. Rather than cracking a beer, oh, what a terrible day. Get away from me, kids. Such a shame, that. I love the dads. I love the mums who put on the, 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 the face, put on, you know, they, they, they keep that nurturing, encouraging role and they bless their children. Don't tell kids about all the bills. Don't tell kids about all the heartache in the world. They just bless their kids. They just love their kids. They don't let it backwash into their homes. We try not to let stuff backwash into here, but sometimes it happens. Philippians 1.27. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit. One spirit, say one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. I've got to finish this, guys. Sorry, I've got to finish it. It's the last of the series. And again, Paul makes an appeal to the Roman believers to support him in their prayers. Would you support Phil and Julie? Would you support Garth and Jamie in the youth group? Would you support all the leaders, the worship team? Would you support them? Romans 15, 30, 30. I urge you, brothers, by, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit. Who loves the Spirit in the house this morning? Who loves the Spirit? Who loves just being in that quiet... You may be pulled up at the beach by yourself in the car or with your loved one in the car, and you just look out across the beach, and you go, just love God, just love creation, just love my life. The Holy Spirit comes around you when you've got a spirit of gratitude. And man, the car fills up. You put some worship music on. You go, I just love this stuff. I love the privilege of living on the planet. Again, I urge you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Colossians 1.8. And who also told us of your love in the Spirit, C3. I hope, I hope that they're saying that. Paul again talks about family extraordinary revelation that it is Ephesians 2 18 for though 
for through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. There's the Holy Spirit again. 2.19, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens. This is just it, man. If people would only realize that they can come into the fellowship and not be foreigners or aliens or on the outer, they can be part. We're just praying for Fraser to grow up in the fellowship of other believers and that ultimately one day he would meet his wife like that, that his wife would come by and his wife who loves God also, his future wife that is, his future wife, not yet Fraser, don't get excited yet, his future, he would be worshipping God one day in a church or on the beach or somewhere and he'd look over and he'd see another woman worshipping God because the Bible says if you seek God, His kingdom, His righteousness, all these things will be given unto you as well. Praise is going to be that guy. 1 Timothy 3.15, if I'm delayed and you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church, the church of the living God, the pillar of the foundation of the truth. That's what church is. 2 Corinthians 6.18, I will be a father to you. Father God, we kneel before him, as it says in Ephesians, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. In the Old Testament, we were sons, but we were like sons that weren't fully matured. And we realized that we didn't have the full inheritance. But can I say this to you? You are sons and daughters in God and you deserve the full inheritance. You deserve everything. The law couldn't do that, but the Spirit, now here it is. Where does it say that, Pastor Phil? It says it right here, Galatians 4.4. But when the time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under law, 4.5, to redeem those under law that we might receive the full rights. Say full rights. Because you are sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. And the spirit who calls out Abba, Father, Abba, Father. And Paul says it again in Romans, my last scripture. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for being able to get this message through. Romans 8.11 says this. And Paul again appeals to the Roman church. He said, I know it's tough hanging out in, in God's love. I know it's tough to, to get together and pull off mighty exploits and go into the community and change the atmosphere of a city and win the lost and go over to Africa and go over to Thailand and go overseas and build the church and be the people of power, love and sound mind. I know it's hard to do, but can I encourage you, the Romans, and he says it like this in Romans 8:11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. 8.12, therefore, brothers, we have an obligation. Say obligation. Say obligation. See, Abraham had an obligation. The promises were yes and amen. You're going to be blessed and out of you is going to be the, the whole planet's going to be blessed. But there were obligations. And Abraham, Father Abraham, as many sons, as many sons as Father Because he was faithful, faithful to that through the promises of God, by obliging God, I'll say it again. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation. Can I hear that word again? Obligation. 
Can I hear it again? Obligation. See, we think being a Christian is just so easy. We just get Jesus and we just live easy peasy for Him. There's an obligation. There's an obligation to give. There's an obligation to pray, love your neighbor, and give glory to God. There's an obligation. But it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. There's that family word again, sons. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. When I say sons, I mean daughters too. You get that? And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Oh. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Romans 8, 17, to finish off this message says, Now if we are children then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. And if indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory. And the saints say, and the saints say, and the saints say, let's give it up. Let's give it up for the Lord. See, the world says we are family. But you know, there is a family of extraordinary proportions that even supersedes our biological family. Jesus even said, my family, when they said, your mom's outside, Mary, she's outside. He said, my family is the ones who do my will, who do my bidding. And he was, he was drawing a line in the sand saying, my real family, my eternal family, although we love Mary, we love Jesus' brothers, but he was drawing a line in the sand. Jesus was saying, my family, my spiritual family, are the ones that do my will. That's a pretty tough proposition, I know. Let's all stand. God bless you. And so church family is important to us. Our natural family is very important to us. In fact, we are to bless our own families first and foremost, love them, encourage them, support them, pray for them, nurture our children. We are responsible to that. And then, of course, our spiritual family is paramount, paramount in Jesus' name. Father, right now, we stand before you. I just want to pray for anyone right now, right where you stand, for anyone who feels like they've never been able to migrate into the family. See, my mother came from England and, uh, in 58, and she never really migrated into Australia properly. She was always hanging out in her home, wouldn't socialize much with the neighbors, and she was culturally stuck in England. And no matter what my dad did, or any of us did, she just would not become an Aussie. And uh, she complained a lot. I can remember a lot of the 60s of her complaining and complaining about being in Australia. You know that can happen in church. <laughs> we migrate like Abraham. We leave the, our household of unbelievers, but we give our life to the Lord. But then we complain about the journey, about the saga of it all. Father, in your son's name, Jesus' name, right now with eyes closed. 
Father, in your name, I bless every child of yours in this house, every precious child. You are God's children. There is a massive, massive purpose and plan of God to pull back. It's a mission impossible, I know. But he is reaching out to his children all over the earth, including Australia, including every nation on the earth. And it all begins with the promise of Abraham. And it concludes with the, the Jesus, the new covenant, and the great empowerment to the church and to the people of God to be the church, to win souls from dark places, win them from desperate situations. It's through you, my friend, there's a rescue plan. There's a rescue plan. It's through the church. And that's exactly what the church is doing. Rescuing humanity from the plight, from the struggle of being lost from God. So Father, right now, I just pray for every, every soul in this house, every child of God in this house, that they would know you, find you, cleave to you, trust you and believe you. Right now, I just pray that, Lord, they be able to migrate into a family, a local church family, wherever you live. If it's in Dubbo, if it's in Tugra. Julie was looking, Julie's background is Aboriginal. Five years ago, she had a massive, didn't know any about, anything about this five years ago. And all of a sudden, she found out she was part of the Stolen Generation. She was ringing people up all over the nation. She rang up one lady. And uh, Julie's trying to find out who her family was and she rang this family oh, in the middle of Queensland somewhere and the lady said after Julie stated the case the lady said oh love we're not your family we're the Robinson family we're the pink gum or we're Sugar Ray Robinson we're, we're pink gums not black gums but that really stayed with we're not your family Who's your family? My God, if you figure that out in your lifetime, you'll give glory to God. <laughs> well, ultimately, well, at least, I mean, there's a family of God worldwide. So let's just pray for anyone who's not sure if they're included in the family of God. Right where you stand, with eyes closed, I'm going to pray a prayer. This prayer will usher you into the universal family God's family all over the earth the next challenge is to find your spiritual family your local family but this this prayer will get you into heaven this prayer will allow you to feel the smile of heaven on your life so right now right where you stand let's say this prayer together Father God I believe in your son Jesus I believe you walked the earth perform miracles died on the cross for me. Lord Jesus, forgive me of all my sin. Wash me clean. Set me free. Come to live in my heart. I turn my back on darkness and I look to the light. I look to the truth. I look to the way of Jesus Christ as Lord of my life. I'm saved I'm born again. I'm bound for heaven. But in the meantime, Lord, 
Bless me. Bless my family, my marriage, my children, my children's children. Bless me. Bless me that I may be a blessing to everyone that I come across in my entire life. Lord, I pray and I bless this to every heart in this church. And the saints say, and the saints say, Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.